If sometime in the past two decades you've been house hunting, searching for electronics, trying to find a roommate, or even looking for a date, you've probably turned to Craigslist. The classified site quickly rose to industry standard in the mid-90s and has dominated the space ever since. On this week's episode of Generation App, we'll talk about how this relic from the dot-com boom has maintained its market share and whether it can fend off competition from new startups. From GeekWire.com, this is Generation App, the show where millennials school tech dinosaurs on the apps and services we love. We have GeekWire co-founder Todd Bishop, our marketing and ad coordinator Kara Coleman, and frequent GeekWire collaborator Kevin Lasota with us today. I'm your host, Monica Nicholsberg, and we are talking about Craigslist. All right, Craigslist. I love this topic. Why? It's, it's, such a, it's such a wild frontier, and it's one of those areas of technology that is still back in the 80s or 90s and has not been upgraded, but everybody uses it. Yeah, still works. The market for used goods on there is gigantic. I understand, Kara, you found your roommate on Craigslist? I am on roommate number 13. <laughs> <laughs> Not all have come from Craigslist, but um, yeah, we've posted the room repeatedly and we get a new roommate and we've met some really cool people that way. So Craigslist is one of these apps that doesn't quite fit our model. I mean, I think everybody uses it, but here's a little background info just in case. The web classified site was founded by Craig Newmark in 1995. Its user base grew very quickly and Newmark turned down lots of acquisition offers. Over the past two decades, Craigslist has become the go-to place to advertise everything from apartment rentals to personals to household services. But all this popularity came with some drama as well. Craigslist has faced numerous legal battles, safety issues, and bad press for supporting black market deals. This dot-com era company is also facing competition from a new generation of tech startups. So before we jump in, we're going to hear from some Seattle millennials about how they use Craigslist. I use Craigslist fairly often, actually, and most of the time, um, most of the time, it's just looking at apartments that I want to live in. But I also have done a lot of optimizing to figure out, like, when I graduate, um, I'm looking at different cities that I might be living in and trying to figure out the average rent. I don't use it very consistently now that I found a place, but before when I was transitioning, trying to find affordable um, housing opportunities in the area that I was looking, definitely was like the place that I went to and looked first and kind of went to every day and <laughs> to see the changes and the updates um, as they were happening. I'm a big proponent of Craigslist, actually. I mainly use it for concert tickets. That's why I found the most success using it. I bought a coffee table this summer, though, off Craigslist. Uh, well, I haven't been using it as much because there's a lot more mobile-friendly apps. I'll mention OfferUp. It's, it's been good so far. It's really dependent on the product. But I think these mobile apps are really opening up a lot more negotiation. Where Craigslist, I think, because of the design, it's very simple. Uh, it's kind of, I hate to say cheap already, but it already has that association then with the products being kind of at their lowest price. So when I used Craigslist, there wasn't as much negotiation. And I think that's because they minimalized the communication as well. With the new mobile apps, since they have direct messaging, it's very easy to go back and forth and, and kind of negotiate. I, I don't use OfferUp. In fact, I, I haven't even heard of that one. Some people are here to look for different things, right? They're not here to find a roommate or to buy my car or buy my couch. Uh, they're looking for those casual encounters. And so I think that makes it a little awkward. Uh, I think the apps are a lot more trustworthy, especially with the rating systems. I think that's been a great feature that some of those apps have installed after you make the transaction. Just like Uber or Lyft, you get to rate the person. I think that's going to really set the tone for accountability 
make it real important to say this person is trustworthy. So when you go and make that transaction, you know, you're not as worried. Do you ever get nervous about safety on Craigslist? Yes, that would be a hard yes. Um, especially being a young female, anything I've heard on, like, on the news regarding selling things on Craigslist, just really terrible nightmares. And um, that would be something that I would want to meet up with somebody on my um, with me if I was to sell anything or meet somebody for a roommate situation. Uh, safety is a huge concern for me. My mom always is super concerned about it. Like she, if I'm ever buying concert tickets or anything off Craigslist, even in the middle of the day, bringing like my brother with me or something, she's like, oh, do you want me to, do you, me and your dad need to come? Like she's very concerned about it, but I guess maybe that's just the younger generation in me that's not very concerned. I have not used the newspaper classifieds, but the funny thing is my parents push it on me to go there and really use that as a resource. So it's, it's definitely a generational thing that they want to still use that as a resource. And I'm more directly the internet, apps on my phone, easy, accessible. So it is funny and uh, no newspapers for me. All right, we just heard from Kendall Fighter, Connor Kaysen, Anna de Blasi, and Claire McGrain. Now let's hear what our guests have to say. How do you guys use Craigslist? Boy, Kevin, you are probably the, the greatest example of this. You use it. How do you use it? Uh, I use it in two ways. So I have some apartments that I rent out, and I've been doing that for, I don't know, 15 years. It's been a reliable source of tenants for the apartments that I rent. Uh, but in the last year, I've been buying a ton of photography equipment. Um, I bought camera body, a couple camera lenses, a tripod, um, some big ticket items that I've been buying. And it's been a great source for used photography equipment. How about you, Kara? Um, so I've used Craigslist kind of on the other end as a tenant looking for a place to live. Um, found my current house that way and some roommates who have joined me there. I've also used Craigslist, um, the free page a lot because um, a group of us are really trying to reuse and not buy new things, especially when we're not kind of setting up what we call grown-up houses. Um, <laughs> so we want comfortable homes, but we don't really want to invest in new furniture. So that's been a really good source too. So I've also used it a lot as a renter to find apartments, but it would be fascinating to hear the other perspective of that from a landlord. Kevin, what's your experience been like there? Oh, so as a landlord, it's actually, you know, it's not the best user interface when tenants search through it. It's kind of this jumbled mess of, you know, how do I find, how do I find an apartment on there? But from a landlord's perspective, it's free. And I put it on there and, you know, within a day or two, the apartment is rented because there's so many inquiries that come from it. It's just a reliable, quick and easy way to find tenants. And that really gets to the heart of Craigslist's success. It's not about the user interface. It's not about some fancy technology. It's about the fact that Craig Newmark was early. He developed the user base and it was just sort of a, a, a flywheel effect where people went there because people went there and so then more people went there and, and it's just continued. It's really one of the more remarkable stories of the entire online revolution. It, it's just, it sucks and everybody uses it. Well, and, and it's so valuable because everybody uses it. And I mean, you've got companies like Apartment Rentals. Zillow has invested, they, they acquired a company, they've been investing millions of dollars for a very fancy rental site. Their rental site is good, and I'd recommend people use it when they're looking for apartments, but there's still a ton of rental listings that only hit Craigslist. Yeah, it's one of these strange things that just exists because it exists, but not because it's better. But I do think that 
it's interesting to watch these companies, these new startups, tackling Craigslist in different ways. Like Zillow is a great example. And Craigslist housing ads have seen a little bit of a hit from sites like Zillow. I mean, they're still making a ton of money. It's not going to damage their business. But I feel like if different startups are chipping away a little bit at a time, like we just wrote about one called Renticity that makes, you know, renting and leasing your home really simple. And then, you know, you can't talk about Craigslist now without talking about its competitors like OfferUp. I'm sure you guys have heard of OfferUp because we cover it a lot on GeekWire. But I'm curious if you've heard of Virage Sale, which is another competitor. Virage Sale. What a horrible name. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) No, I have not heard of that. Maybe that's why they're not doing as well as OfferUp. (laughs) So uh, they're another competitor, very similar to OfferUp, you know, like a mobile-friendly version of Craigslist, basically. And they have funding from Sequoia Capital in Silicon Valley. But what's interesting is, like OfferUp, they don't have any revenue. They're just focusing on growing their user base. And they recently started testing mobile payments. In other words, you can, instead of just paying with cash when you arrive, you can pay on the app. And they also just laid off a third of their staff in January because testing mobile payments costs money, and it's hard to do that when you don't have any revenue. So anyway, all of this is to say that while that one's not doing very well, OfferUp is doing very well. And I'm curious if you think it could take Craigslist on. So I've tried OfferUp. This is the, basically it's it's verified. That's the whole notion. You get in there, you know who you're dealing with. So when you show up at their house, you don't have to be as concerned. Right, to me, that's the that's the basic appeal of OfferUp. Yeah, but I, so I've been buying some big ticket items on Craigslist and, you know, there's a whole protocol that, you know, you don't show up at their house. You meet in a public place. You know, you agree to bring cash and you're at the the Starbucks in Renton or wherever you go. Okay, so I've been then breaking one of the first rules because I will have people come to my house. Should I not be doing that at all? Uh, It depends on on what you're selling. And, and, you know, is it a $50 item or is it a $2,000 item? Uh, $2,000 item, I'm not going to somebody's house. I don't, uh, you know, I want to meet in a public place. And the seller does as well. Okay. So there... You know, there is a protocol for safety, and I think it's the same even on OfferUp. You know, there's no magic verification that says that the person is legit just because they have an OfferUp account. Yeah, I'm not familiar with OfferUp's verification. How does it work? So I think it's a little bit safer. I feel a little better about it. Um, OfferUp, you can create user profiles, and then people can rate their experiences with you. There's a name associated with it, and so it just... To me, that feels a little safer than this anonymous, you know, like you get the Craigslist email with all the digitized numbers and it's, I don't know. Right. So I will say, so I did try to sell something on OfferUp. It was actually directly related to this podcast. We had some mic stands that we ended up not using and I did not get one offer. Now, I will say that that is a bit of an esoteric thing to put online for sale. And I think that speaks more to uh, the OfferUp user base compared to Craigslist. Like, I'm sure if I put those on Craigslist, they'd be gone in an instant because you yeah. have such a wide range of users. Yeah, and if, if Craigslist doesn't work, you know, the local Craigslist community doesn't work, you, then eBay. Okay. eBay is the true home of, like, the obscure, you'll sell anything <laughs> on eBay because it has a worldwide audience and somebody out there will buy it. Yeah. But then you start getting into the shipping shipping of items game. And, right, right. And which I is, feel like that that can be riskier than meeting someone in the Fred Meyer parking lot for a handoff. I will say where OfferUp just dominates and has completely ruled Craigslist is the user interface and the fact that it's mobile first. And that to me is one of the most remarkable things about Craigslist. That is they continue to be dominant. 
they continue to really rule this world without any kind of viable smartphone strategy. I mean, it, there's no official Craigslist app, right? There's not. I use a third-party app. And this is one of the things that like really frustrates me about Craigslist. Like, I wish we could all as a society come together and be like, no more, because right now I'm searching for a ton of furniture. I'm just moving into a new place. And so I have to go to both every day. And I would love it if it was all on OfferUp. It's way easier to use. Um, I feel safer interacting with these people when I can see their names. You can message in-app instead of going between the, you know, the weird anonymized emails. Um, but I have to go to Craigslist because I know there's a lot of stuff I'm not going to get access to if I only look at OfferUp. I like using Craigslist on the on the desktop because I like to be pretty thorough. I think of like Craigslist kind of more of like a like a thrift store or an antique store where part of the digging through and sorting out and finding things is is you get rewarded and then maybe offer up not as familiar with there with shopping on there but may be more the the Buffalo Exchange or the Crossroads where they kind of curate what you're buying from so for navigating that much stuff as Craigslist has the desktop works better for me yeah, I'm going to disagree. I, I, I'm going to disagree with uh, everybody. Everyone. Well, not everyone, but uh, <laughs> me. You guys, this is normal. Yeah, Just yeah, disagree I'll disagree with, with Todd because I always disagree with Todd. <laughs> uh, for, for certain types of items. So I'm guessing, Monica, you were looking for couches. Mm-hmm. The listeners here won't see it, but I'm showing you a, a screen with items. When you're searching for a couch on OfferUp, you can pretty much do it based on pictures, right? right. You Absolutely. don't need to see the text description. So for something like photography equipment, a picture all by itself is totally useless because you can't tell what model it is. You can't tell what lens it is. You can't tell any details. I mean, you need to, you actually need to see the text. And so I find this to be a totally useless interface. So, for, but you can click in and see the details. Yeah, I know. But on, on Craigslist, you just see it. You, you see, see the, the thumbnail with the text description and the text description for an item like this is actually way more important than the picture. So which apps do you guys use? Do you all use? I just use the straight website. I just use the Craigslist website. On your phone? On my phone and and on my desktop. Probably more on my desktop than my phone. Yeah, I just use Craigslist on my desktop and I don't really, I don't do a ton of shopping on my phone. I'm (laughs) probably... Oh, really? Yeah, I'm probably an anomaly in that. Um, I just... Oh my God. Yeah, I like need to compare and open tabs and look at my bank account. I'm like, most of my shopping takes place between about uh, 10 and 11 at night with me reclined in my bed on my phone. phone. I mean, it's dangerous. Like if you see me with Amazon open, I mean, that's so in Craigslist. So that that is, yes, exactly. So I use CPro. That's the Craigslist client that I use. Is that the popular one, Monica? I use Quillo. It's Q-W-I-L-O. I like it a lot. I like it more than using Craigslist.com. Okay. They all suck. <laughs> That's the problem. They're, none of them are good. I, I really think that that is the biggest failing of Craigslist. The fact that there's no first party app with the the premier experience. I, I think I, I, I can't understand it. I wonder if there's like a you know a story behind that or you know why that resistance is so strong. I do feel like Craigslist is very rare to update their interface. They definitely have over the years. I mean, the amount of photos you can have and the way you can scroll by pictures or even looking at properties and rentals by map. Like those are relatively newer additions, but they didn't, I feel like they are always like, they don't rush into making an addition or a change to their interface because the familiarity is pretty important. It's an unusual company. I don't know if you've ever heard Craig Newmark talk. So Craig Newmark, you know, the founder and that's what who it's Craig. named after, Craig from Craigslist. <laughs> the Craig. <laughs> yeah, he did it on a, you know, on a whim. It was, you know, like helping his neighbors or something to post stuff and it just took off into this global phenomenon. And I don't know how many employees they have now, but 
don't know, five, six years ago, there was still only like 15 people that worked there. So they it's have a f- tiny, tiny little company that has this enormous IT infrastructure to support all these things around the world. And he, he still views it not as a business. He views it literally as a like a community service. Yeah. So to clarify a couple points there that he, um, I believe, has 40 employees working at Craigslist, which is really remarkable when you think about their reach. And uh, he started it as an email listserv in 1995 with his friends in San Francisco telling them about events that were going on. And then he started posting those events online and then all of a sudden saw people posting stuff about, you know, other things they wanted to have reach this audience. And that's how it just sort of took off by word of mouth. It's really unusual. But equally unusual, I think, is the fact that, you know, it was created in 1996 and then it just looks like it stayed in 1996. Like it just hasn't (laughs) changed. It's bizarre. Well, at this point, maybe they can't. Maybe they're like, well, I think we're just going to look like 1996 forever. The novelty might might be a factor now. So I'm curious on the roommate side and, you know, finding tenants or finding roommates, how, how reliable is it? You get a lot of people, I'm sure, but do you get folks that you'd actually want to rent your places to or, or live with? So I think Kara and I both live with Craigslist roommates right now. Mm-hmm. I'll let her go first. Um, yeah, I think you definitely get a lot of, you get a lot of emails that right off the bat, you're like, this isn't someone I'm really interested in living with. Or you'll get ones that are one lines like, hey, is the room still available? And for our house, that was like immediately disqualified. Like we want people who are excited and who share a little and willing to put themselves out there. So um, we found great roommates. Um, one of my good friends who doesn't live with us anymore, but she came from Craigslist. And so they, it's like you can tell pretty quickly as you read through the email, at least I can after several rounds of this, like how well someone might fit in. And then we have them, I call it roommate speed dating. We like set a night and we have all the candidates come in like, half hour hour increments and we like give them a speed tour and we meet them and we talk to them and then we usher them out before the next (laughs) one gets there and then we just talk about the end and normally it's kind of we just pick one then and there nice so So i live in a big house and one of our roommates this year we found from craigslist it was the first roommate i found on craigslist and i at first was really nervous but then i thought about it more and i thought about like you know, when you're our age, how much vetting of people do you really do in any relationship that you form, whether it's like, you know, meeting somebody online to go on a date with or in college through a friend of a friend, you know, when you're looking for a roommate, you don't always have the luxury of finding someone who you have known for years and can completely trust. So it is a leap of faith. But at the same time, I feel like maybe we're a little more comfortable making those leaps of faith because they happen on a lot of different apps and with a lot of different services. Yeah. And in terms of renting an apartment to somebody that comes from Craigslist as a landlord, you know, you've got to have a process and place, no matter if they come from Craigslist or somewhere else, to do a background check, find out if they're employed and if they make enough money to to live there. So, you know, I've never had any problem. There's unusual people that come from Craigslist. There's also unusual people that come from other advertising uh, venues as well. So, you know, it's just Craigslist is the most reliable way to rent an apartment. Wow. That's That's a ringing endorsement. So I want to take us back to mobile payments one more time for our um, Would You Ever segment. So like I said, some of these services are testing mobile payments in the same way that eBay does them and, you know, whether or not it's going to benefit their business to allow people to pay with a credit card in the app. And so my question is, would you ever pay for something with a credit card versus cash for a Craigslist listing? Oof. If if it was as seamless as Uber and the idea that you were paying the company 
and the company was passing it along to the person. If it was a situation where the person was ultimately in control um, and they could you know, have command over the payment somehow, I don't know. I, it would have to be through an intermediary is the bottom line. Yeah. As a buyer, I don't have a problem with it. Um, oh, as, oh, as a seller, though. As a seller, I have a gigantic problem with it because um, you know, if I'm going to hand you over a $1,000 lens, you better give me $1,000 in cash. I mean, there's, I don't want a method that they could potentially reverse on their drive home you know, and say, oh, well, yeah, let's reverse that payment. So I don't, there's just a trust factor, I think, that you know, for a $50 item, I'm fine with some sort of mobile payment. For anything over that, I'd, I'd be really hesitant. Well, it's interesting to me because this introduces the idea of using credit to buy things on Craigslist or to buy things like you're talking about with that. You know, if you're going to buy a $1,000 lens, maybe you do a cash withdrawal, but for the most part, you're probably going to have to have $1,000 in cash. Whereas if you went to a mobile payment system, you could just put it on a credit card and that would be that. So I think that's an interesting change. Um, I probably would. I feel like there have been a couple of times where the sum of money is a lot in cash if it's over $500 and I've been asked if I'd accept a check and on a leap of faith, you decide yes or no. Wow. So I think that would be a good kind of to fill in that, you know, once you get into large amounts of cash, which add to people's discomfort, it could be a good secure solution. For me, I feel like it's an issue of accountability. I wouldn't do it on Craigslist because I don't have any way to hold those people who are paying me accountable. If it's a service where they have profiles and receive reviews and, um, you know, their future experience using it could be penalized if they don't pay me then, or if I don't pay them, then I would feel a little more comfortable. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I always tend to, like, try and instill confidence in myself with the person. This is Maybe this is my own form of online compensation for my own insecurities or something. But I, I will put my first and last name, my phone number, and my email address to say, like, hey, I'm legit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I'm trying to buy something from somebody, that, that's how I approach it. That's all the time we have for today. I want to thank our guests, Todd Bishop, Kevin Lasota, and Kara Coleman for being here today. To hear more, go to geekwire.com slash generation app and be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. And tune in next week to hear all about cutting the cord with cable companies.